This is Got Marketing, a podcast with ideas, strategies, and tactics to help small businesses create smarter marketing. I'm Mia Feilman, a professional marketer and the founder of Campaign Del Mar. And in this show, I chat with creatives and strategists about the different aspects of marketing, but without the fluff. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Got Marketing podcast. Today on the show, I have a serial offender. Ash Jerberg is <laughs> joining me again. He's a writer and content creator based in Melbourne. And prior to this, he worked in marketing for 20 years and has also owned several successful businesses. He's an avid traveler. He's been to over 105 countries and he's welcome back in many of them. Thanks for joining me again, Ash. Thank you. And also welcome back to this podcast. That's, that's exciting. I've been on several podcasts and I'm a serial offender. Great. You are a serial offender. <laughs> that's right. So today, what we thought we would talk about is tourism marketing um, because this is big business in Australia, right? It contributes around $122 billion to our economy and um, is therefore one of the biggest drivers of economic growth. Um, and tourism has probably been the hardest hit industry in amongst all of this COVID nonsense, that and the wedding industry. And so we thought we would dedicate an entire episode to tourism marketing. But this episode is not just about talking about high-level, expensive marketing campaigns. This is going to be some really juicy, actionable stuff for anyone that works in the tourism industry, whether you're an accommodation provider a restaurant, an entertainment venue, or a tour operator. Yes, absolutely. And I think even if you're not within those industries, there's some really good lessons to be learnt um, from some of these examples we'll be going through. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. Good point. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot to mention that. That this is great marketing knowledge for all businesses, but, yes, today is uh, specifically yes, yes. related to tourism marketing. Absolutely. Okay, so... Um, Tourism marketing is, you know, a fairly broad term, but I guess a, a good workable definition is just thinking about all the different marketing strategies and tactics used by businesses in the tourism industry in order to attract both domestic and international travellers. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as you said at the start, there's the big ones, the country branded ones, so Australia, New Zealand, etc., down to state, down to local areas, um, and even you know, city councils or LGAs, which has been a buzzword of late since the COVID pandemic, um, doing their own campaigns. And then you've got big tour operators and airlines. There's a whole lot of umbrellas down to restaurants, um, events, festivals. It's a pretty big umbrella. Yeah, very, very broad. And I will be very happy if I never hear the word LGA ever again. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I used to think of IGA, that uh, supermarket yes. chain, whenever I heard it. But yeah, LGA. Yes. So the big news in tourism marketing this week is a grassroots campaign which has generated some serious media buzz. And the campaign um, is Get Chris Takara. Now, you brought this to my attention, so I will let you do the <laughs> honours. Tell us about this campaign. Well, this is a, a great example of how you can do a lot with very little budget. So Cowra uh, is a small town in uh, New South Wales. Um, I've never been there personally. Have you been there? 
No, mm. but it's quite close to Canberra, which is where my in-laws live. So to be honest, now I want to go. There you go. That's a good sign. So Canberra is a, a small town um, and, as I said, with limited budget, it had to be a bit creative. So what they did is they produced a very, very low budget using very amateur actors um, based around getting Chris Hemsworth to visit Cowra. So Chris Hemsworth is one of the Tourism Australia ambassadors, um, featured in a big campaign for them previously, which we spoke about in a previous episode. Hopefully you guys can remember that. Um, so, yeah, they basically created a very cheesy type ad um, focusing on how they could get Chris Hemsworth to visit their town. They did it in quite a clever way because they highlighted a lot of the experiences that can be done around Cowra, some of the food, some of the wine, some of the activities, history, some of the Indigenous um, culture that is around that area, um, whilst also taking the piss of themselves, you know. Why would Chris come here? And it, it's very Australian, it's very laid back, but it was quite clever. Um and the, the end was, if we can't get Chris to town, we're going to build the big Chris. We love our big things. There's the big banana, the big prawn, the big pineapple all across Australia, um, which has also worked quite well for the tourism industry. So they were talking about building the big Chris. Um, it went viral very quickly. I mean, I worked in the tourism industry for a long time, and I must have had 20 people send it to me on the day it was released, saying, hey, have you seen this? Um, I sent it to you. And you know, the news the news. Media captured it, so it was uh, you know on all the major publications. It was on TV, and then uh, I think yesterday Chris Hemsworth actually responded saying, "Yes, absolutely, he will come to Cowra." So they actually achieved their goal, and the amount of publicity they're going to get when Chris visits their town, I'm sure he'll post it on their social on his socials. So brilliant campaign for very very little money. Absolutely. So it was featured on Sunrise. So getting a mainstream television channel exposure and not having to pay for it is pretty much the gold standard in marketing. But not only that, Carl Stefanovic has offered to um, go there next Friday and actually do the show from Cowra. So, you know, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching of the earned media when it comes to this campaign. So, yeah. Yeah, and and as you said earlier, um, it's targeting the domestic tourists. You're not going to get someone in the United States or in Europe who's going to fly all the way to Cowra, but you're going to get a lot of interest from Australians who have a lot of pent-up travel demand at the present who, who will go, yeah, Cowra, you know, why not visit there? Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, this um, notion of revenge travel, like revenge yes. shopping. We just we can't wait to go. It doesn't matter where it is. Dubbo, Wagga, bring it on. We will go <laughs> as long as we're allowed to leave our freaking LGA. Um, so that's a really interesting point that you've made, which is that the target market is the domestic market, not the international, which is why a lot of that Aussie tongue-in-cheek humour resonates so well. Because if you are a um, Chinese traveller, some of the jokes and the puns that they made in the film probably won't land. But for Australians, they were schmick. Yeah, absolutely. It's about knowing your audience, and I think they did that really well. Um, as you said, Sunrise going to go there, or Carl's going to go there um, and film, and they'll produce their own tourism bits of content. You know, they'll show things to do around Cowra, so they're going to get a lot of content produced for them for free. Uh, professional absolutely. videos, which they can yeah. then share and utilize. Um, you know, I'm sure Carl, Carl will visit the the main pub and have a beer there, and he'll go out and visit whatever the tourism sites are. So. Um, I think later on we're going to talk about user-generated content. This is media-generated content for them. 
Yes, yes, very interesting. And so the campaign is snowballing. It's now taking on a new life and a new shape as it has launched into the public domain. And um, it's really iterating on itself and it's becoming bigger and bigger. And what started as quite a grassroots campaign is now becoming a national media campaign on a tiny, tiny budget. Yeah, and what I'd like to see is what the next steps are. So they'll have Carl come out, they'll get all this publicity. Um, I think they should still go ahead and build the big Chris. I don't know if they've announced whether they're going to do that or not, but they should absolutely do it and make this an ongoing feature. So people, Australians love their road trips, you know, so people divert and go to Cowdera and have their photos taken at the big Chris because that'll give this a lot longevity rather than a, you know, a viral campaign that quickly fades from memory. Yeah. I um I think what worked really well about this campaign was the very clever copywriting. And it just goes to show that you can do more with less when um, you use clever messaging and copywriting. And you've mentioned this to me that the acting was, you know, very cheesy and yeah. um, definitely not polished. But I actually think that that's probably added to the film. Absolutely. And so for me, I would love to see, um, well, who else can they try to get to Kaura since they've got Chris Hemsworth? So that could be one iteration. The other thing could be is actually the two actors, and I use that in a very loose <laughs> term, who appeared in the um, in the campaign video, um, is that they should now go onto the media circuit and start Absolutely. doing interviews. Yeah. So there's two potential ways to extend the longevity of this campaign and get as much juice out of it as possible, right? Yeah, they they, sh- they should become minor celebrities, you know. I think one of them will end up on, you know, uh, Bachelor Island or whatever, <laughs> one of those shows, you know, SAS, where they get these degraded celebrities. But um, I don't know if they work within the tourism, tourism industry or if they're just locals they put off the street. But, yeah, absolutely, they should leverage that, make them into celebrities of their own accord. Uh, Come to just- Cara and visit them. Yeah, that's right. But um, I think that the fact that they used non-actors really yeah. added to the authenticity of the campaign. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a local campaign. It's very grassroots and I think that makes it more relatable to people rather than if they had two famous-ish actors or two well-known actors. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, having Jim and Betty from the local tourism office act out was was, yeah, very smart. But I also really love if you, I've watched it so many times and I I will definitely be dropping the link um, in the show notes. I've watched it so many times and each time I pick up something new that's really um, very, very clever about this campaign, but it really did take a village to make this. There is so many different parts of the community that came out to help film this. You know, they did, as you said, they brought in some of their Indigenous cultures, the local pub, the local sporting teams, the um, uh, fire and rescue service. um, And, yeah, yeah, I really feel like it it showed how beautiful the community in Cowra is. And so that, that was a subliminal message that I got as a viewer, which was that, hey, these are some really nice people. I think it also gives the community ownership of the campaign. It mm. makes them involved and they all want us to see it succeed. And I'm sure when Chris posted, hey, I'm going to come, they would have all been you know, cheering and celebrating because they're part of the campaign. Correct. So true. I said this in my Facebook group that um, if they actually got Chris to respond, which he now has, this campaign is going to be taught in universities as a case study (laughs) of how to create a marketing campaign. It is that good. And it was done by what is 
the equivalent of a small business. And so I think that that's really testament to the fact that um, marketing campaigns and really successful ones are not limited to just big business. Absolutely. And I think also they picked the right person. I mean, obviously, I don't know Chris very well, although I get compared to, to looking like him and stopped in the street. <laughs> oh, sorry, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> that, was big. That, that, that laugh was way too big. Um, I'm sorry. But he seems like the type of person who would respond. Yes. If others, they might not have got a response. Um, exactly. Some people, he has that persona of being, you know, the nice guy, the laid back Aussie larrikin, approachable guy you could have a beer with in Byron Bay. Um, type thing. Yes, so exactly. That yes. worked really well. But what I don't want to see now is other small businesses, particularly tourism campaigns, try the same thing and say, hey, yes. let's, let's, let's get, uh, I don't know, whoever, Russell Crowe, Kylie Minogue, Nicole Kidman to our little town. Um, you know, it's one and done, I think. Very good insight. That's right. That this is not a good time to try to copy this strategy. It's not going to work. No. Um, so, yeah, it's one and done. But yeah, they did really well. The only criticism I had was uh, I think it was three and a half minutes. So I would have liked to see it a little bit shorter. Me too. Yes, absolutely. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I was laughing at your joke, not at you. I hope you understand. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good joke. It was a good one. Um, okay, so let's move on and talk about a another, I guess, textbook marketing campaign. Not that Getting Chris Takara is a textbook marketing campaign, but it will be taught as a textbook oh, yeah. campaign just because it works so well. But this this one that I want to talk about is Wander Out Yonder by Tourism Western Australia. And this ran last year in amongst the first round of lockdowns. And it was really about getting Australians to travel to Western Australia to explore the wonders of WA. And what I really love about this campaign is that this is a good example of playing it safe, following great marketing principles and great so-called rules and, and you know, getting the job done really beautifully without having to be too creative, too controversial, too risky. So um, the success of this campaign really for me lies in the absolutely stunning visuals. I mean, Western Australia is yeah. gorgeous. So why not just use the assets already at your disposal? Don't overthink it. And then fully integrating it so that you can do more with less. Um, I always say that if brands use a smart mix of paid, earned and owned channels, it creates this multiplier effect. And that's exactly what Tourism WA did. They use digital, radio, video, print, out of home, um, and socials, um, of course. But there was also a massive user-generated content component to this campaign, which, again, allowed it to take on a life of its own. And as we know, Ash, UGC is so much more authentic, so much more trustworthy than paid advertising. Uh, absolutely. Um you, you nailed it here. Sometimes creatives, people in the advertising marketing to try and be too creative. They think they ha everything has to be completely different and award-winning and groundbreaking. Um, when you've got a product like Western Australia, um, utilise it and it's very scenic. Uh, Australia is very fortunate from a tourism perspective that we've got great um, photographic images. Uh, most of our... 
uh, highlights are about the outdoors and natural attractions and, and use that. We don't have to work as hard as some other countries or regions around the world. So they've tapped into that. And, yeah, even if you just go to the first page of their website, there's, you know, nine, uh, yeah, there's nine images and they're all absolutely, they're colourful, they're stunning. Um, and what I think they've done is they've highlighted this, again, to the domestic market to Australians who aren't aware of that, that Indian Ocean Drive, which has the, the pink water. I, I would... I'm making up a statistic here because I like to do that, but I'd say 90% of Australians wouldn't even know that existed. I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of this is is new, and I think Western Australia has more of a challenge than other areas in Australia because it's so far. And you know, prior to the pandemic, it was cheaper for us to go to Singapore or Bali or Hawaii than it was to go to Perth from the east coast. So they've they've really got to highlight what to Australians why come here. Yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think they've done that quite well here. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all of those sentiments. So let's unpack exactly um, what we loved about this. So first of all, really clever use of language. I um, I love the the campaign tagline "Wander out yonder." It really rolls off the tongue. It um, is intriguing. Um, it sounds like something that you would read in an Alice in Wonderland kind of um, book. You know, wisdom begins with wonder, I think, is the Lewis Carroll quote. Um, so it, to me, it sort of starts to trigger nostalgia and, you know, that kind of emotional sentiments. Yep. There's no mention of lockdowns. There's no mention of COVID. It's all about um, family reconnecting and discovery. And discovery is a beautiful word, especially when you think about WA, because like you said, there is just so much of WA that is just so remote and so expensive or previously expensive that we just, you know, have not yet discovered. Um, Absolute eye candy, which we've covered off bucket loads of user-generated content. Um, So, yes, it's great to get a top tourism photographer to go and take these incredible images, Um, but is that what it really looks like? So then seeing all the user-generated content images come through and go, oh, wow, it does actually, the water is actually pink. (laughs) Like, it's amazing. Um, And then there were spin-off campaigns. So, um, I think WA Tourism, and this is me totally spitballing, um, treated this a little bit like um, a master brand campaign. And from there, they iterated. So um, they had another campaign, which was an intrastate campaign. So prompting um, Western Australian residents to discover their backyard called A Million Reasons to Wander Out Yonder, where they gave away 10,000 hundred dollar vouchers yep Yep. um and then the second spin-off campaign was work and wander out yonder which um was all about um getting um young people to take a working holiday in regional western australia yeah which uh they needed to do because we've lost that international working market so it, it was targeting a very important market the working holiday market in australia was one of the biggest that youth market i attended a few roadshows with Tourism Australia across Europe to target that particular market. So that was a big blow losing them. Mm. Um, so getting young people uh, to, to go. But what I think the timing of this campaign was also good. If you look at all the photos on the website, there's no people in them. 
and that's one thing that you know people were scared around COVID. It's well, I don't want to catch it. I don't want to do it. This is all outdoors. Look, you're not going to see anyone for miles and miles. You got to alter yourself, which I think is uh, a good psychology to tap into at the moment. Um, you're going to have the whole coast to yourself. You won't be people coughing. You won't have to wear a mask. It's all outdoors. Spot on. That is yeah. That is really great insight. So. Um, You've raised a really interesting point around, you know, overt messages, you know, like, you know, it is what it says on the box and then subliminal messages where we can use really clever imagery and photography um, and even messaging to imply um, rather than have to shout that, rather than cramming too many competing messages into one campaign, they, they ran with the hero messaging, but then exactly as you said, use the visuals to tell more of the story. Yeah, it, it's um, in advertising, generally people sell. So most ads you'll see will have a photo of a person, a model or what have you, because um, people sell. But in all these images, there's not a single person. Um, so I think that was a very clear strategy from them. Gut Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, a marketing education platform for entrepreneurs. Master the fundamentals of marketing, nail your email marketing strategy, or join my signature program, Campaign Classroom, and learn how to create killer marketing campaigns. These are not the kind of online programs where you are left floundering, unsure how to put theory into practice, nor will these programs sit unfinished for months. You can expect accountability, a supportive community, and to walk away with practical, real-world marketing skills. Learn more at campaigndelmar.com. Okay, um, and now we're on over to a couple of not endorsed campaigns. These are unofficial. Yeah, so I was, I was raising, I raised this with you previously, but um, these fake campaigns uh, were created uh, initially anonymously by uh, two uh, creative people who have an agency. One was the CU in the NT. I have to make sure I say this carefully. Yes, yes. Um, we need to be really careful. <laughs> which was several years ago. So uh, it was highlighting tourism in the Northern Territory. Um, and they use a very clever visual around that, see you in the NT. And then earlier this year, they did the same thing with South Australia called Go Down South With Your Mouth. Um, both of them had really great headlines, great images, went viral, Um particularly the Northern Territory one. I went viral across the US, was in Huffington Post, a lot of major outlets. But what the tourism bodies behind them did wrong, in my opinion, is they both came out straight away and said, these are not endorsed. They're nothing to do with us. We don't appreciate this and canned it. Um, Whether they could have had a bit of fun with that leverage and said, look, thanks, maybe even launch a competition. Anyone else come up with some taglines for us, some creatives? There was so many opportunities rather than, and I appreciate the government bodies so they have to be a bit conservative but there's a missed opportunity for mine here interesting perspective so i lived in the northern territory for five years and i'm moving back (laughs) i love the northern territory i'm actually moving back there in a couple of months and i have done some work with tourism um northern territory so i've definitely lived this what's really interesting to me is that so many people to this day, still think that See You yeah. in the NT was a Northern Territory government campaign. Yep. Um, which, which is, I guess, why 
I mean, it is, it's, it's a profanity. Um, and so I guess that's, this is why the government needed to step in and shut it down. But I think that, um, I, I definitely agree with you that it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. 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 I mean, all I had to do is say, you know, we, it's clever. We appreciate well done. Well played guys. We don't like the language around it, but if anyone has got ideas, you know, family friendly PG type tagline, send them in. <laughs> they could have run a competition, you know, we'll pick the best one to run for a month. We'll do something. I don't know. It could have Correct. just been a really nice social media campaign um, instead of just saying nope. Correct. It sort of, it almost goes against what we just spoke about, which is the value of user-generated content. Like yep. involve your community. Like, you know, we reach out to influencers all the time and pay them thousands and thousands of dollars in order to create content for our brand. But it seemed like the government were just not interested to, to play, even though um, these campaigns um were so successful. I mean, to the point that people actually thought that they were real campaigns. Yeah. Um, and I also like the two guys that were behind it. They didn't come out. They didn't make it easy to discover. They, you know, they put a little office address that was hidden. You had to find out who registered the domain behind it. So it wasn't like they did it blatantly just to get publicity. They just had a bit of fun with it. And I think they said, we love the Northern Territory. We want people to come. Mm. So what was their end goal? Was it to generate awareness for their agency? Oh, I, I think subtly, but they didn't make it that easy. They just listed, um, if you rang the number for either of the campaigns, it just went to a, an answer machine. There was no other message around them. Just a, They only listed a virtual office on the websites. Um, like I said, the, it was only the media when they found out who registered the domain names and dug deeper that they found out there was these two creatives behind it. Mm. Um, okay. So they, they did, so yeah, I mean, maybe they missed an opportunity. Maybe they could have come out from the start and said, "This is you know, Mia and Ash agency, and we can do your campaigns for you." Yeah, we can create controversial viral campaigns. Yeah, I do kind of feel like, what was the point of that? I just, I just actually found a quote from the guy when he was uncovered by the media, and and if you've heard a more Aussie type quote than this, I'll, I'll be surprised. It says, "We're just a couple of blokes that are knocking up some ideas. It's an invitation to the greatest territory in the world, mate." That's all it is. Okay, sure. No problemo, <laughs> dude. <laughs> okay, but um, we're still talking about it. <laughs> exactly, and it was 2016, so five years' time, five years down the track, yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, um, recently the Northern Territory um, changed their um, master brand for the Northern Territory and I was interviewed by the ABC and they asked me on live radio whether I thought it should actually change to see you in the NT. Oh, there you go. What did you say? I said absolutely not (laughs) because, and this goes back to our earlier point, is that um, while that might appeal to the domestic market, um, that is not going to appeal to the international market. You know, um, Americans and um, yeah. English people and, um, you know, Chinese and Japanese travellers, they do not share our Australian sense of humour and it would just not resonate with them. Well, even uh, I think Australians, it would appeal to the younger market, you know, that backpacker type market, but it's not going to appeal to the family market. It's not going to appeal to the seniors. So, Yeah. It's a bit of fun, but a small percentage would find it cheeky and funny and act on it. Correct. So um, do you know anything else about Go Down South with your mouth? So it was the same guys Mm -hmm. um, that did the CUNT. 
and the same sort of thing. They were just having a bit of fun and released it. Uh, um, the South Australian Tourism Commission came out straight away and mocked it back. The one thing they did do is they actually released a video for this one as well. Mm-hmm. I um, saw that. Which is, you know, there's a lot of double entendre and sexual entendre. Um, your tongue yearns for a certain sensation. It's time to let our abundant delights burst in your mouth. So it was very cheeky. Um, and, again, South Australian Tourism Commission could have done something. I mean, they even produced merchandise for this. Mm, and the SAT, the SAT said we, we wouldn't even buy a T-shirt. We, they, they were very anti it. Do you think that that's because, and this is me being devil's advocate, it could negatively affect the, the bodies? Like I think that. Um, the fact that so many people, I was definitely fooled by the go down south with your mouth because it appeared on Ad Age. There was actually yeah. a um, media release that was sent, presumably by these two Aussie blokes, just having a bit of fun, mate, um, uh, sent to Ad Age as a official yeah. tourism essay um, campaign and it was later pulled off at age um so i was fooled and i was i actually thought this is absolutely ridiculous why did tourism do this like this is so dumb and so do you think that the reason why they shut it down so quickly is it because um it i mean apart from the double entendre there was nothing else to it it wasn't particularly clever or insight driven yeah i mean i it wasn't as clever as the cunt i I think they did pull on some insights because uh, food and wine are very big in the tourism industry. I mean, there was a whole Restaurant Australia campaign that Tourism Australia ran for three years based on coming to Australia for the food and wine. So they were tapping into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they. I think it was two things. They were annoyed at what these guys <laughs> did. Um, maybe they thought it was better than what they could produce. I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, there was the sexual aspect of it. But, again, mm-hmm. they couldn't. I think they could have had a bit of a laugh around it and said, hey, it's not us. We don't condone it. Well played, guys. What, invite them to South Australia. Why don't you come to South Australia and do some of the experience? We'll film you doing that. Mm. I think I always look at the opportunities rather than just saying no. Correct. And, look, let, this is not from a tourism um, perspective, but a brand that was able to do this really well was Ocean Spray mm-hmm. when um, the um, – Apodoka, um guy um, was on the surfboard. The TikTok guy, yeah. Yes, uh, the TikTok guy. Yeah, it was yeah, the second, yeah. second most viewed video on TikTok last year, yeah. Yeah, and um, he just made this, you know, seemingly just fun TikTok with him on a skateboard to Fleetwood Mac's um, awesome track, Drinking Ocean Spray, and Ocean Spray, which is actually run by a collective of cranberry growers. Um, so good news story right there. Um, quickly jumped on the skateboard and was like, okay, how are we going to make hay out of this? And sent um, this TikTok star a cherry red um, truck because he had um, they had found out that he um, his truck had been banged up and he'd lost it. Um, cranberry coloured, sorry, not cherry red, cranberry coloured <laughs> um, truck with um, a ute full of ocean spray in the back, and then the CEO of Ocean Spray also did a parody, and then they pulled um, the guy from Fleetwood Mac out of retirement and got him to do it, and yes. they just like 
capitalized, 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 as opposed to like, oh, this has got nothing to do with us. Let's leave this alone. Let's let it pass through to the keeper. They saw the opportunity for what it, for what it was potentially less offensive than see you in the NT and go down south in your mouth. Like it was all just good times, high vibes. Um, But it just goes to show that um, there is definitely merit in mobilising quickly and um, going, okay, this is going viral. How can we turn this into profit generating, um, you know, marketing for Ocean Spray? Absolutely. Um, Fun fact, that was the very first video I ever watched on TikTok. Oh, Um, really? It's only because I wanted to write about it. So I read an article about how um, Ocean Spray capitalised on it. And it, it came from an authentic place. It was, just, And that's what I like. This guy just filmed a video of himself going to work and he just happened to be drinking an Ocean Spray. He didn't do it deliberately. It wasn't product mm-hmm. placement. He wasn't trying to go viral. And that's why it works. It was just authentic and genuine. It wasn't trying. Yes. Yes, so true. And so many people have said, oh, was it staged? Because it was just so good. Was it staged? And it's like, no, sometimes you can get this lucky. Yeah, yeah. It's. uh, I see a lot of people write articles on how to go viral and it's 95% luck every time. Yeah. Mm. All right. So what can we take out, um, out, you know, from this discussion for potentially smaller tourism brands looking at rebuilding and reconnecting um, with travellers. My first one is that the website needs to deliver. So it's all well and good to go and create this beautiful video um, or great imagery or something really controversial and funny like Get Chris to Cowra, but... um, when they actually then take action, you need to complete the customer experience and the actual website needs to deliver. And the truth is, I don't know how you feel, Ash, but so many tourism websites are clunky, are not user-friendly, are buggy. Um, We were talking about this before we pressed record that like stays um, is a great example of a um, of a platform in Australia where the website is just so annoying to use. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in travel, uh, it needs to be easily booked. You need to find the information. You need to be able to book easily. It needs to be dynamic, um, instant confirmation, all that sort of stuff. But I, I, even before getting to the website, I think where a lot of tourism campaigns fall down is getting consumers to actually take any action at all. Um, I remember when I used to do some things with Tourism Australia um, in the United States. The when in every survey they ever did, Australia was the number one country they wanted to go to out of any country in the world. It was very aspirational, but they just didn't do it. So Tourism Australia would produce these amazing campaigns, and everyone goes, "I would love to go to Australia, fantastic," but they didn't go. So that was the first thing. These campaigns were. From a creative point of view, an advertising view, great, but if you don't get bums on seats on those planes out mm. here, it's a fail. Um, so that's the first step. Mm, if you get true. them to the website, you've, you've, done, you've ticked that one box, but then it's yeah, about getting them to actually then make the booking or find the information. And whether you're running a B&B in uh, Illawarra or you're you know, running an airline, you still want them to hit that book at the end and it has to be easy to do so. Totally. So if that was me, I would be commissioning a study into why people are saying that they want to go to Australia but are not. So to really understand what it is, is it the price, is it the distance, is it like what is it to really 
you know, get those insights and use it to fuel the next campaign. And I agree that that's definitely needs to come before the website. It's just, it's really hard um, breaking for me as a marketer when you've dragged them all the way to your website, they've made it there and that's when you let them down. Yeah, absolutely. There's no excuse, you know, in the year 2000, perhaps. Um, yeah. Now everyone has to, you know, the website is your storefront. It is your brand. It is everything. So there should be yeah. no excuse for it. No matter what budget you have, it doesn't cost much to get a, a website that does what you want it to do. Exactly. So true. The second thing is uh, quite personal because <laughs> I had a underwhelming experience with Ripper Ride, which is a, an Australian, I guess, competitor to Airbnb. And um, the second thing is, is that before you should focus on any flashy marketing, anything above the line, any kind of outwardly, outwardly promotional campaigns is go back and focus on your customer experience and customer journey mapping. This is so important. And this is because um, a recent study found that one bad review is all it takes to undermine a brand's efforts. So just one negative review decreased purchase probability by 51% on average and raised the chances that a consumer would search for a substitute by 11%. And then customers who found and then went on to purchase a substitute, they actually spent 16% more on it, suggesting that people will pay a premium to avoid the uncertainty triggered by a bad review. So before anything um, outwardly, um, I think you brands should redouble their efforts to please customers um, who register their displeasure um, or just by designing a um, really great customer experience from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, just... Uh... An interesting thing around reviews, which is travel-related. So TripAdvisor um, is one of the biggest travel websites in the world and it's highly based on reviews. Um, a few years ago, a, I don't know if you know this, but a, a gentleman in the UK created a fake restaurant. He called it The Shed, which was just him in the backyard, um, to see how, how he could manipulate TripAdvisor and reviews in general. And he got it uh, within six months to become the number one restaurant in the United Kingdom. And oh it was just literally gosh. photos of him. He made it, created a fake menu. He created the photos he put up of the meals, you know, like a can of baked beans tipped on its side over a piece of bread. And and people started reviewing it and saying, I can't wait and I want to book and this is my dream when I come to London. So it just shows you how reviews can be manipulated. Oh, um, and I hear this all the time that, you know, and it, it, it's really sad when people say, I just had a horrible Google review from someone that has never walked into my hair salon or who's mm. never eaten at my restaurant and it's obviously a competitor just trying to mess with me. Or um, I remember this customer, she was an a-hole. Um, mm. She was such a cow. She was so rude to my staff. Still, we did everything to please her and now she's gone on and left this atrocious review, which of course can impact all the others. But I think the key thing is, is that um, responding, not taunting them. I'm seeing this really ugly thing play out on social media where um, the brand is actually re responding in an even more childlike yeah. fashion um, than the reviewers and like sharing it across their socials and, you know, like, 
half calling out these customers rather than just um, responding straight away to say, look, we don't actually have any recollection of you coming to our salon or, um, you know, we did everything to, you know, to help you on this day. Um, you are welcome back anytime and, you know, have a nice day. Um, and then it will get eventually drowned out in the wave of positive reviews. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's an, it's almost like an occupational hazard now, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, I mean, people... The power is with the customer. You know, someone can walk in and say, well, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave a bad review. Mm. Um, you know, whether it's your local cafe uh, or a bigger business. So, the, yeah, uh, it, for good and bad, the power relies with the customer. Yeah. Um, speaking of social media, so I get sidetracked all the time, but um, speaking of bad responses, I don't know if you saw earlier this year the whole Harvey Norman fiasco oh, on social yes. media. So uh, they were getting, there was people complaining. It was around JobKeeper, so Harvey Norman, Jerry Harvey, the owner, got paid, I can't remember the exact figure, but it was like $20 million for JobKeeper payments, then earned record profits, and there was a big push to give that back. Um, So there were a lot of people commenting on social media, and then the person who ran the Harvey Norman Twitter account would just berate them and said quite a few insulting things, triggered someone around mental health. I think there was even something around suicide. It was it was really, really poor. It just oh, went wow. extreme. And eventually they took the most childish action, like a five-year-old storming off, but they just Harvey Norman just closed their account. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so um I read your article about that. That was awesome. And also Smart Company um did several articles about it. And as a result, I've decided I'm never shopping there again. Yeah, either am I. Mm. So it just, yeah, I just couldn't believe it. A big company ran social like that. Yeah, well, no fucks given, right? Like they're Mm. just, they're so big. And in some areas, you know, I used to live in Toowoomba and Darwin. Harvey Norman's all we had, you know, we didn't have competitors. And so if you wanted a fridge, that's where you had to go. And so I just think that they just thought that they were too big to fail. But um, public sentiment is moving away from that kind of behaviour. Absolutely. Yeah. We totally deviated from that. Um, <laughs> I told I told you this would be relevant for not just tourism but for all, all companies, all brands. There you go. Yes, excellent. Um, so um, really important to map the customer experience, um, you know, think about um, under-promising and over-delivering um, and, you know, making sure that you do everything that you can to avoid the bad review. And I think a lot of that, Ash, comes down to proper targeting. I see a lot of brands who are over-marketed. Um, at, you know, I booked an Airbnb um, in Boomerang Beach, which is uh, north mid-coast of New South Wales, and it was marketed as a villa. <laughs> it was not a villa. Um, uh, they obviously shot the, pro- uh, the property really, really beautifully, but when I actually arrived, there was a lot that they hadn't photographed. Um, and so it was just, it was, you know, I don't think the role of marketing is to polish up a turd. That is not no. what we do. <laughs> it's not about making something better than it is. It is about finding the right customers for that product. So often bad reviews are because the expectation doesn't meet the experience and so that's where we need to start is that like you don't have to be the best restaurant in the world if you manage people's expectations about what they're going to get the best five dollar pub meal 
in the Northern Territory. It's not going to be Michelin star, but Absolutely. it's five bucks, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's finding whatever that selling point is and, and just capitalising on that. I think the worst ones um, are real estate agents. When you see a property ever, well, this was last year, looking to buy a new place and you see the description, you see the photos and you turn up and you feel like, saying, is this the same place? Yes, and they Photoshop in window yeah. views and it doesn't actually have those views. And this is really dangerous because they are selling these properties off the plan. And so people can't even go and fact check. Yeah, I think that they're going to land themselves into some serious legal hot water if um, they keep going like this. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and the lucky last thing to take away um, for small um, brands, whether your tourism marketing or not, is that user-generated content has had meteoric, meteoric rise. I actually wrote an article about this in Entrepreneur's Handbook um, about just how so many brands today from Mecca to um, Apple to Samsung to Microsoft are all tapping into the power of user-generated content to really provide that layer of authenticity in an era of widespread mistrust. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be big brands. So your local cafe, when they go in, you know, take a photo of your uh, meal. And that's what a lot of cafes are trying to do now. They're trying to produce Instagram-worthy coffees or cakes or muffins because then they know then people will come and share that content. Um, so any local business can take advantage of this sort of thing. Yes, very true. And don't ask, don't get, right? You just yeah. need to have a plan in place to ask your people for that user-generated content. How can you make it fun? How can you incentivize them to supply that content? Yeah, I mean, if you're running like a little cafe, you know, get a dollar off your coffee if you post a photo. It's very simple stuff you can you can run and get a whole lot of content for free. Yeah, totally. Or for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, for a dollar. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure again, Ash. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thanks for allowing me to serial offend. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Bye. Thank you. You listened right up until the end. So why not press that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling? You can also connect with me, Mia Feilman, on Instagram or LinkedIn. And feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly.